when I look back at my experiences as an athlete of, you know, constantly cycling through this little fish, big fish, it really, I think people underestimate or don't even realize the kind of training that their children are getting as young adults or, you know, just young children about working their way up. And think about when they go into the business world, you know, whether you're a a fresh entrepreneur trying to make your way, whether you're in the corporate world, you know, starting off on your first day at a job, you're constantly trying to get that next level. You're listening to Empowered Podcast with Patrick McGuire as he has empowered conversations with great people, doing great things and helping others. Join us at empoweredpodcast.ca. Hey friends, Patrick McGuire here. I've got a great guest today and she's cool. She's fun. She's energetic. She's an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the, the corporate byline, if you will, for now. And then we're going to get her in and have a chat together. We're going to have one of those empowered conversations. So first of all, let me say welcome to Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick McGuire, where I have great empowered conversations with great people doing great things and helping others. That's what excites me and drives me. And I hope it does you too. It may be in sports. It may be in something else. You may be a creator, it may be business, but if it inspires you, then you're empowered and I'm empowered. And I'm very happy for it. This conversation for sure is one that's close to home, not just close to home, but she's over in Toronto and I'm in Burlington, Ontario, Canada. So we're not far away. And her camp is just about two hours that way. I know you don't know where I'm pointing, but it's a little bit sort of northern on an angle from me where I live now today. But Stephanie Rudnick is a founder of Elite Camps, along with her husband and partner, Dave. She's an entrepreneur, an author and consultant. She talks about sports and and getting better and basketball. Well, definitely basketball. We'll talk about that one. Leadership, life lessons. And you know what? She's an author. Life is a sport. Got some cool nuggets out of this one, by the way. Uh, Stephanie is one of the few sports professionals who identifies specifically as an entrepreneur, much like myself, but maybe not as accomplished as Stephanie and her wonderful camps and all the kids she helps. But she served as the owner and business director of Elite Camps since founding the company in 1999. Elite Camps has become one of the largest basketball organizations of its kind in Canada, serving over 6,000 athletes a year and growing. We'll talk about the new growth strategy coming out. You're going to love this one. Uh, we're going to talk about how she built a massive facility on a massive plot of land just before the world started to shut down. I'm going to ask her why the heck she did that and how it's going and how excited are we all for what's coming out now. Um, so with a degree in physical health and education from the university of Toronto, and if you look in the background of Stephanie's picture, you can see she played for Toronto. So she knows her stuff. She practices her craft. She's not just an athlete and an entrepreneur but she does it, right? We can talk about it. She does it as well. So she has a really profound appreciation for the nitty gritty realities of building and managing multiple facilities, helping athletes, finding solutions. And she brings a unique perspective to the discussion surrounding the business of sport. Above all, she is a very proud wife to David and a mother to Ryan, Jeremy, and Nathan. So Stephanie, it is awesome to have you here. I'm so excited. This is um, a personal passion for me when we've got, you know, individuals that love sports and entrepreneurship. So Stephanie, thank you very much for joining me on Empowered Podcast. Yeah, Patrick, I, uh, I appreciate it. I love to, uh, love to chat and I love to uh, pass on the messages and inspire people. So entrepreneurs are my people. They're my tribe. So just like athletes are, um, entrepreneurs are definitely my tribe. So love absolutely. I, I, I like that. The tribe concept that's, you know, those are the rosters. Those are the teams. Those are the people that hang together and, and we go through thick and thin, win, lose, or draw, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I'm going to back it up a little bit because I want to talk about this sports thing and and how, you know, I know a fair number of people who become entrepreneurs or high performing executives and they can all relate back to sports. Myself, I can say it was definitely sports, high level hockey, and then the military. Um, Those are things that really framed and and structured me. But where did this all begin? Where, where's this love of basketball come from and how young were you when you really hooked into it? 
Well, I, uh, I actually started really late. Um, I actually only started at 14. I, I was, when I was younger, I went to a school that really didn't encourage uh, females to play in sport. Um, so that was about till grade eight. So I never really touched a basketball until uh, I walked into a uh, basketball mecca of a school. I had no idea. Um, I walked in the doors standing at around, you know, six feet and eh, every single tall. person. <laughs> yeah, a little bit tall. Uh, and everybody I ran into was like, you're going to try it for the basketball team, right? And I was like, no, I've never held a ball. No way. Um, and honestly, like the number of people that had asked, I was like, fine, I'm going to go like just to keep them quiet. So I went to the tryout. I, I didn't even know the rules of the game. And uh, <laughs> literally, I remember I remember so clearly walking out and hearing sort of the coaches speak. And they said, well, you can't teach height. <laughs> so yeah. I made the team. Um, and I literally spent that first season tripping over my feet. And I remember in trying to inbound the ball to myself and like no idea what I was doing. Uh, people would actually like laugh at me in the stands and my mother was hearing it. Um, but really, you know, I was this really tall, uh, very low confidence, you know, young girl. And in the summer, uh, after my grade nine year, I happened to like join a community center and a coach sort of found me and was like, you know, I joined his rep team and he basically gave me wow. drills. Like he wouldn't even let me practice with the team. I was like on the side working on it. But for the first time in my life, I was able to connect you know, hard work to success. And I could see that I was now in control of that. And for somebody with a low self-esteem, I used to walk with my shoulders hunched over. Hmm. Um, basketball for me was something that I could pour my heart and soul into and see results right away. Um, so, you know, by the time I got that after that summer, I actually transformed myself, you know, with the help of that coach into a solid basketball player. And all of a sudden, my height was no longer something to be, um, you know, limiting to me, like my shoulders went back and I was proud and I really became addicted to the concept of hard work in success out and the fact that I was in control of that. And I would say all of a sudden you went from six foot to six one because you straightened up and got squared up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, like from there on in, like I just kept wanting more success and I just kept being okay with putting in that uh, crazy amount of time. So that was my first taste of, you know, being an athlete and understanding what it takes to be successful. Um, and that literally is, I think, the foundation of what has created my entrepreneurial life. So, I love it. And and who's that coach? Can I ask who the coach is? Yeah, um, Cy Hurling. So just a, a dad who had two girls on the team and he had been coaching for years and he was he was awesome. Yeah. So he just gave me the basics and was not going to budge on me actually training with the team. He wanted me on the sidelines working on it on myself. So it was pretty neat. Well, I, I asked that because, I mean, absolute kudos to Cy. And Cy Hurley, if you're listening, uh, hit us both up on LinkedIn. Of course, we're here. We're live stream and we're going to record this and send out the podcast a couple of weeks from now. But I love the fact that he did that, unfortunately, to you. Um, it had to be somebody that had to catch up. But I like the old Malcolm Gladwell concept where he did that big study and the big research on 10,000 reps and you either got to put in the time or you got to put in the time. So either start when you're young and put in all those reps and, and perfect it, or you do it well in rapid fashion, the way that you did. And that's all you did for about a year, but thanks and kudos to Sai for saying, this is the way we're going to do it. And all of a sudden, like you said, the confidence was up, the power was up, the energy was up the height was up, the shoulders were up, everything was up and it was just upwards from there. I think it's fantastic that he had that sight or at least the knowledge to do that, to say, Hey, Stephanie, you're going to be awesome one day, but we got to start with the basics and you need a whole lot of basics because you missed about 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, cool fact is that I actually have his grandkids in my program in Toronto. Yeah. That is a testament for sure. Um, yeah. So is it's it payback? Awesome. Are you, are you just drilling them or what? No, no, I have nothing but love, you know, like he was an intense coach. He was very, very intense, but I would never subject his grandchildren to that intensity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would. You got to wait for him to come back somehow and then get him. Um, yeah, exactly. Hey, Gramps, 
It's it's sprints. Yeah. <laughs> Can you beat the grandkids? Let's go. Uh, yeah. So okay, so great. you've transitioned from from that basketball, and and you went into university, and you know obviously you were a bit of a powerhouse and you know, you got good height, you got good skills because Cy beat them into you, if you will. I know you didn't Cy. I'm just saying that, but uh, how did the transition go from playing in this? I mean, you went basically training in house league to next year rep. And then a couple of years later, I mean, that's not a lot of time to get the enhancements and development. You're going to college, you're going to university. How did that all transition? How was it making the team or fighting for your spot? Yeah. And, you know, I think um, this is an amazing part of sport that I think any entrepreneur can I really identify with. So I always talk about how there's like a life cycle in sport, how you go from being a little fish to a big fish. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing training that athletes get over and over again. So, you know, as a high school athlete, you start off, you know, you're the little fish and you work your way up into mm-hmm. the starting lineup, maybe grade nine on the junior team, then you're the big fish. Right. And then all of a sudden you try out for the senior team and, you know, bang, you're you're back down to that little fish again. Um, and you have to work your way up the bench. Right. Same thing happened to me. So I was recruited to go to University of Toronto. And here I am thinking, yeah, I'm a big recruit. They're like number one in the country. I was super proud. Of course, for me, I didn't even bother to ask what the other recruits were. There was four other recruits, all my height or taller uh, running in there. So once again, I was a little fish and had to like put my head down and Mm. work my way into that starting lineup. And, you know, when I look back at my experiences as an athlete of, you know, constantly cycling through this little fish, big fish, it really, I think people underestimate or don't even realize the kind of training that their children are getting as young adults or, you know, just young children about working their way up. And think about when they go into the business world, You know, whether you're a a fresh entrepreneur trying to make your way, whether you're in the corporate world, you know, starting off on your first day at a job, you're constantly trying to get that next level. And as an athlete, you know, parents want to know, like they they're worried about their kids because they're, you know, oh, my God, they're going to have to start again or they're going to have to work their way into the starting lineup. And they're worried. They're trying to protect their kids from that pain and that struggle. But really it's that pain and struggle throughout their youth that can help prepare them for what that real world experience will be. And I I think when you empower people to understand that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think parents are, you know, really should be more willing to allow their kids to go through those ups and downs so that they are empowered. I know you love that word (laughs) uh, to relive that experience and lean into it. Right. Cause you want to lean into that struggle. Right? Yeah, it is so true. I mean, I would say my failures have helped me get better than my successes. And we've all had lots of little wins and a goal or a basket means something special in the moment. But, you know, that's fleeting and it's gone. You know, it sucks when we get scored on or when we get knocked down or we lose a big game. But the reality is we'll remember what we did good during the season and we don't really remember and say, well, that's that's what I learned from that that sucky situation from losing. But you then apply it without even thinking about it. So I really do agree with you that we gotta we gotta hustle, we gotta burn, it's gotta hurt, we gotta lose, so we can learn how to win gracefully and how we can lose gracefully too. So I, I like that and I like that you apply that to business too. Yeah, no, it's uh it's a really big skill that you know, when we work with our staff and our campers you know, we teach them to lean into the struggle, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's really what helps you. You know, when I was writing my book and I broke it up into chapters, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly and amazing. I read that. (laughs) Yeah, the easiest chapters to write were about the bad and the ugly. And really, like, that's where you learn the most, right? That's where your growth happens, in those ugly moments. Um, So I like to bring those, you know, life lessons to the front so that, you know, entrepreneurs want to hire more athletes because they've already had all the training they need. They just need to know how to how to use that and pivot and, you know, relate it to what their new business role is. That's actually a great way to say it. I mean, we all got to pivot in business and, you know, it relates directly to you and, and the chosen sport slash business that you're doing. I mean, pivot in basketball is a position and a, and a move. I mean, it's important. We have to go from this direction to that direction without losing your grounding or your base, if you will. And, you know, I'm trying to take tie that into the basketball story, but it's true because if any business just randomly 
ups and changes direction without any grounds and without any great people to execute. And those are all our teammates, of course, we're screwed. We're out of business. We're shut down. We're bankrupt, whatever it might be. So I I love the way that you uh, remind people that, hey, the struggles are there. We do get a pivot. We have to pivot sometimes. It's our choice. Um, So so you get into university, you're playing ball there, you're having a good time. You got a jersey in the background and you got some awards back there, which I love. Um, Tell me a little bit about the medals and then let's talk about camp. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I got what I got two provincial golds and a, a silver medal um, for the national championships. We lost a double overtime. It still hurts. It took me like <laughs> over a decade to frame those medals because I was so mad. Sorry, um, I apologize but, for yeah. bringing it up again, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. It was still uh, when you're in it, you don't realize how fortunate you are and how hard it is to get to that national final but it was really it was pretty amazing Uh, nationals are huge and you know some people never get there and some people get there once and they come up just a little bit short like you did but it's what you do with it afterwards you know i have this picture because i'm a big hockey guy and a common friend of ours kevin mccarthy shout out to hockey opportunity camp just because i got a buddy one of my favorite hockey camps in my life but uh, reality is i think of the young man i think about three years ago i can't remember for sure now i gotta go back and look it up um, I believe he was from Finland or Switzerland and he was really angry at his bronze and he threw it into the stands and he got reprimanded left, right and center. And unfortunately he maybe didn't lose enough when he was a young boy or he didn't have a, a coach to guide them or, or the parents to say, don't worry about it. Or maybe the parents drove him too hard. And I want to make sure we tell to parents, Hey, whether it's in sports or business, don't drive our kids too hard. Let them make their path. Let them lose and win together and encourage them either way and support them. But uh, that one drives me nuts. So I'm really glad that you didn't uh, take the bad attitude and toss your medal because that is a big story getting to nationals and getting silver. So congrats on that one. Thank you. Yeah, it is. uh, You know, losing is a skill, right? It's, uh, It's something that, you know, sport is, again, like, that's why I love sport because, you know, you learn how to lose over and over and over again. Cause the reality is most people lose a lot in sport. Yeah. They either, you know, mess up a skill, lose a game, you know, terrible practice. You're always, you're always learning how to bounce back. And to me, that's one of the biggest things that has helped me in my business, uh, especially during COVID uh, <laughs> to try and, and bounce back from, you know, trials and tribulations. It's a, it's a great skill to have. It is. And uh, you know, I'll reference that for myself hockey wise. Uh, I am a coach. I still coach. I've decided that I will not be head coach unless absolutely necessary because I want my son to make his own teams and do what he does. But uh, going back several years ago, we had a team that, you know, it was the last group to be able to pick. So I couldn't even go after the kids I really wanted to go after because I am very ethical about this. I believe in no tampering. That's why I built a software called Roster Logics. Uh, it's about trust, transparency, communications, and compliance. Um, but we had a team that, You know, we lost every regular season game except one. Uh, We did do well in a couple of tournaments, which is weird. We had to leave the country to play in the States to, to, I don't know, get motivated, you know. But, um, yeah, we lost everything. But I remember one young man, uh, he's still a Burlington hockey player. His dad is also an assistant coach in the system. And and he always said, you know, like, this is fun. This is great. And he said, Coach Pat, where do you come up with all these motivational quotes and stuff? And I'm like... I have no idea, but as long as a kid's still smiling and losing, I am so happy. And uh, yeah. if the Arsenals are listening, they know who they are and they know which kid I'm talking about. So um, yeah. they learn and to it lose. Takes resilience. It takes resilience to keep waking up and go into practice when you're on the losing <laughs> team. It takes resilience to, to give it your all when the outcome is, you know, likely known, right? Like that, yeah. that takes a lot of, you know, resilience on the coaching side, on the player side, and, you know, like I said, you're not always going to play or work for a winning team. Right? No, no. So it, you know, it's important. I feel like, you know, I don't think parents or coaches sometimes give it enough credit um, learning how to lose. And I think, you know, I, that's one of the my big passions is bringing, you know, those life lessons, you know, in front of the curtain so people understand what is happening uh, with a loss or with a frustration. So I think it's... Uh, you know, again, I always like to remind my fellow entrepreneurs, if you're going to hire somebody, hire an athlete because they know how to win, they know how to lose, and they know how to fight. Absolutely. I love that. Um, I've got a quote here from your book from Ken Olenek. 
Um, this book is a must read for any parent, athlete, or coach. And uh, well, he's a father of an MBA athlete, so probably has a good idea of that. And I would say, like, I think we're reading into it a little bit, or I'm reading into it a little bit. He says that for those exact reasons you just gave us, they learn how to lose, they learn how to win, and they learn how to fight. Uh, we don't have to drop the gloves, folks. Yes, that's hockey. Sorry, we're talking basketball. But um, you do got to learn to have that resilience and that drive inside. Speaking of drive, um, leaving university, you know, where'd you go? What'd you do? Actually, more importantly, what made you think that you could become the dominant force in basketball camps in Toronto? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's funny, like, you know, when I first started it, I never really thought you know, I wasn't thinking I'm going to be a dominant force. I, I literally, I, I actually, you know, I created the company thinking like, I'm, I'm kind of like my basketball career, you know, I'm going to start and I'm just going to keep plugging away until I get better. And mm -hmm. that's literally how, like how I, you know, progress in basketball was how I progress in my business slowly every day, not giving up, putting everything I had into it. And it's funny because I actually was supposed to, I had this master plan as a college athlete and I wanted to, you know, it was very laid out, you know, I was going to play five years of basketball. I was going to uh, play pro in Israel for a year. And then I was going to start Ooh. a camp. Right. Sounds uh, and good. within there, I was gonna be like an Ontario all-star and now I have, you know, Canadian all-star, everything was mapped out. Um, and I was well on my way uh, in my fourth year. I ended up becoming an, uh, an Ontario all-star, which kind of positions you to become a national all-star. Um, but in the, in May of my fourth year, I actually, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Um, mm. and I had been battling back injuries like all throughout my career. And while leaning over to give him a kiss, I literally threw my back out sort of really pretty terribly, um, and found out that I kind of had a choice to make, whether it was continue with basketball or get a spinal surgery. <laughs> um, oh. yeah. So in that May, I realized my career was pretty much done, uh, which was, you know, my heart, my passion. Uh, and then a few months later in July, my dad passed away. So while I had some treasured time lying on the bed next to him because my back was so bad, mm. um, you know, in a span of two months, I lost, you know, one of the most influential people in my life and basically my identity, which was basketball. Um, wow. So, you know, I wallowed in it. Uh, he passed away in July and I spent the month, you know, wallowing in my pain for both losses. I still had one year left of school, which as an athlete, you know, school without sport is terrible. Um, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have made it, to be honest. Yeah. And so one of my good friends was like, you should start your business, your camp. And I, of course, was like, I can't start my camp. I'm like, I have this plan. I'm supposed to go play pro. He's like, it's fine. He's like, just start. I go, what do I know about starting a business? I'm like a phys ed student. And he was like, you know, he said to be a lawyer. And he he basically walked me over to Grand and Toy. I picked up incorporation papers and uh, filled them out. And all of a sudden, I had a business. I made wow. flyers. Yeah, I made a flyer on my computer because I had moved back home to help my mom. And uh, literally um, enlisted the help of my teammates um, to run a camp. And I went back to the community center where Cy Hurling was the coach. And I uh, pitched it to them that I wanted to run a basketball camp there. And they said they knew my situation, losing my dad, losing my sport. And they said, sure, no problem. Hmm. Um, so I researched a time where there was not a lot of basketball camps or any camps running, which was Passover break in the last two weeks of summer. Oh, wow. And I created for those sessions and managed to fill to capacity my first time out. So what I literally, yeah. And actually it's funny. I did something a little bit illegal to fill. I didn't realize <laughs> it at the time. Um, I actually, so I printed off all my flyers and went to uh, a whole bunch of private schools and knocked on their windows at uh, pickup time. I was like, hi, what are your kids doing for Passover break? And I handed them my flyer. I didn't realize that was solicitation. So now uh, I know. Solicitation, promotion, marketing. Eh. Exactly. <laughs> Just to ask, you know, for forgiveness, right? Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, as luck would have it, I filled it. And, you know, my teammates rallied around me and I hired them to help run the camp. And I like to tell my friends and family that I've never worked a real job since. So that it's, never uh, worked a real job. Yeah, right. I mean, I know. Come I on. Know. You've, you've well, kicked when you're out. in passion, 
you're working in your passion. That's not a real job. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. And that's, that's why I love doing this. I love talking to people like you that are what I would say, quote unquote, empowered. You know, like I, I say in the opening, I like to have empowered conversations. Okay. One, this is one of them with great people. Okay. Two, doing great things. Three, helping others. You're helping the next generation of athletes become entrepreneurs or, or pro athletes or college athletes, whatever their goals and inspiration aspirations are. So, so, you know, this is what I love doing too. I mean, I like technology, especially sports tech and FinTech. Those things are cool. I like crypto and NFTs and things like that, but I love just talking with people like you and uh, it's fun. So it's, it's not really work, but it is work. I, I do agree with you. Speaking of work, yeah. what the heck <laughs> were you doing getting that camp going? I mean, you're looking at, okay, we're in Toronto, this, we got an opportunity to go a little bit north, if you will. Um, oh, there's 75 acres we're going to grab. Stephanie, what were you thinking? And then we'll talk about what were you thinking as this whole pandemic thing kicked in? Yeah, so um, it's it's a crazy sort of story. But, you know, our my primary business was running day camps in Toronto. <clears throat> and in 2016, I actually you know, was tired of, you know, renting space and always worried about mm. being kicked out. So in 2016, we made the move to, um, you know, build our own facility in Toronto. And that was, to me, like the biggest project of my life at the time, like I couldn't yeah. believe it, right? A 12,000 square foot building in Toronto, it was just, it was wild. But um, throughout the years, I was approached by different overnight camps to rent their space to run an overnight basketball camp. And as a child, I used to love going to camp. They, granted, they weren't basketball overnight camp, just traditional. And um, finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And they built me a basketball court. And, you know, on the first day that I arrived and I felt the gravel under my feet and I was like, man, I really need a piece of dirt that I can call my own. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, you know, after we only ran one session in that first year, but really the the level of bonding and connection and the impact that we could have after a week of overnight basketball camp on these kids like i only started with 30 kids but the impact was so significant i knew that this was something that i had to be able to provide in my on my own terms right because we were sharing the site and for 10 years i was looking for a space I, for 10 years, I was looking wow. uh, to build that overnight camp business that could support it, right? So after the year one, we doubled. And then year two, we doubled again, year three again. So we got to the point where we were oh, had over 100 kids a week for three, four weeks. And I was like, you know, we started, the other camp was also running camps. So we were competing for space and just our cultures were clashing. So I, I was literally kicked out. <laughs> I was kicked out of that, uh, out of that Hi, site. You're too successful. Please leave. <laughs> well, it was more like it was, it was too much. It was too much for, imagine like having two businesses stuck together. It just, right. it was cute while we had 30 kids, not so cute over a hundred. So, yeah. um, you know, it was a big pain point for me. And this is where, again, like, you know, when somebody says, no, you can't do that here. And all of a sudden this business that you've built for 10 years is all of a sudden going to go poof. See you later. I kind of went nuts. Like I, I was like, what? So usually what happens for me and some of my biggest business growth happens when there's fear and mm -hmm. trials and tribulation. And when I lost that site, you know, I was casually looking for camps every fall. I would go and tour and try and find something. Nothing ever worked. Wow. I knew I had to find something or I was going to lose this side of our business and literally stalked my real estate agent like every single day, three times a day and found this, he found this piece of land, uh, 75 acres and it had very little facility on it. Um, and we decided this was a, this is the biggest dream of my life. Whatever it was in Toronto, that was like nothing in comparison because we were going to have to build 14 buildings, a new septic and water system and outdoor courts. It was insane. So I did it. I did it. I decided to just take the leap of faith. I actually, it's funny. I asked my kid, my eldest son, um, you know, what he thought. I was like, well, you know, maybe we could build a cottage and instead of investing all this money, we just build a cottage. And just, he's like, well, if you build the camp, you can have a camp 
and a cottage. <laughs> I agree with the kid right there. I think that's a big yeah. uh, good for him yeah. or her. I wasn't sure yeah. who did it. <laughs> yeah, no, he was a he was a. I don't think he realizes that he was like a big voice in my head, and I was like, you know, leaving a legacy for them to continue if that's what they want. It would be a huge yeah. piece, but to be able to have impact like that and be able to run my own site the way we wanted to was huge for me. So that was a big reason why we did it. And I think there's a little bit of an entrepreneur, maybe an empowered entrepreneur sitting inside of them. I mean, hey, mom, yeah. build the camp and buy the cottage. Don't worry, you'll do it. Yeah. Um, I love that <laughs> yeah. attitude. I mean, that's that yeah, just, great. you know, stealing from from Nike, I hate to say, but I'm stealing it. Just do it. Like yeah. that attitude is amazing in the entrepreneur's world, as well as the athlete's world and anything you want, anything that's of value, that is a good reason or a good purpose. And it's mission driven, um, you know, stealing that from Tim Tebow, uh, mission driven, you are going to make it work or you will possibly die trying. Uh, but when yeah. you're helping others and others see that they kind of come alongside you and you all of a sudden have this extra team that you didn't know you had to help push you along. And sometimes you feel like you're all alone and then you're just turn around and you're like, oh, you know, you can tap Dave. Luckily, you're you're good there. But uh, there's others that come along and help out as well. So your real estate agent went to work and went crazy. Your kid is now your mentor. Um, you didn't know that team member was sitting behind you. So these are great yeah. things. I love it. And so how, how, I mean, it's 75 acres. You've got 14 buildings, roughly, I think. Um, yeah. How many kids go through... Uh, or, or can you handle? Because I know we've gone through some tough times. COVID kicked in, government shut down, uh, a lot of fear and panic, whether substantiated or not. Maybe we went a little over the top, but we backed up a little bit. And now things are opening up and you're going to actually get to hopefully what might be um, 50, 80, or even 100% summer for your camps. How many kids have you planned for? Well, the camp can hold 120 athletes every week. Wow. So, and there's eight weeks of camp. So lots of kids can, can join our programs for sure. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty awesome facility, not too big, um, but just big enough to make it competitive for them. Yes. Yes. And I mean, yeah. you've, you've seen, I think I read it that you've seen, uh, you've had over 6,000 kids go through your programs from Toronto. I bet you a lot of them just scramble or sprint to be able to first ones to be at your camp, right? Yeah, no. And it, what's really neat is that with the overnight camp, we get kids from all over the world. So in our one summer that we were actually were able to run, we had somebody, we had either a camper or staff from every continent in the world, except for Antarctica. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So it really allows us to be global. I mean, which is phenomenal. I said dominating force, but that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You didn't just crush Toronto or on South Central Ontario. Yeah, You've gone everywhere except Antarctica. We got to go find a kid in Antarctica that wants to play basketball. I know, um, right? Plant yeah. them there if we have to for six months and say they're uh, an expat <laughs> or something. That's yeah, amazing. And, and I mean, you can't, I mean, do you just play basketball all day long or, you know, do they have other yeah, things going on? Yeah, I would say, and that's probably one of the number one questions we get from families is, are they really going to play morning, noon, and night? And the answer is, ish. <laughs> so, um, you know, let's say there's like six periods a day, period one, two, and three are basketball. Uh, but period four is a time where kids get to like choose something else. They have to, mm -hmm. the courts close down. And they get to pick from a whole bunch of different traditional camp activities like canoeing and kayak and tubing and climbing wall, archery, all sorts of fun things. I love um, it. But believe it or not, period five, these kids have the option to do anything at camp, but 90% of them go back to the court. They go shoot hoops. So they're really, they love it. You know, they absolutely adore it. But we do traditional things like campfires and s'mores and all that other, like color wars and, you know, capture the flag. You know, these kids love to compete and it is yes. uh, so much fun. So much fun to have. Literally, what I love about uh, an overnight basketball camp is you know, all these kids are exposed to other, it's like, imagine geeking out at a conference with all other entrepreneurs. Yes. That's what overnight camp, like overnight basketball camp is, you know, you're surrounded by other people who share your passion for the same sport. They have similar goals. And if they didn't have high level goals before, they sure as heck leave with goals that are higher than what they came in with, you know? So they're in, the inspirations, like just surrounding them in this great big camp blanket. It's really amazing. And I, I absolutely I love, love that. I mean, uh, we talked about hockey camp when I was young and 
a similar approach where they had hockey for about three and a half, four hours a day. And uh, that was dry land and on ice, of course. And then also we had, I took the orientation, the orienteering program, which was great. I love to hike and camp and stuff. And uh, it just seemed like I could never, I rarely got on the water ski one because it was so full so fast, but windsurfing, kayaking, stuff like that. That's that cross training. And the kids don't realize it, but like they go home with new muscles and new aches and pains that they never knew they had before, but it makes them stronger and better. And I love the fact that you say the bonds are there, the relationships. You know, I look fondly to my experiences being able to travel. Thanks to my stepfather being a pilot, I was able to travel to England and Ireland, France for a couple of summers, stuff like that. And those experiences took me in a very new and almost uncomfortable, but comfortable way. And going to camp, I can say my very first time, I was six years old and I went up to uh, HOC actually. And it was, it was Kevin McCarthy, our common friend that his family said, you guys should all come. We took like half our team went. I had never been away, but I had a lot of fun yeah. and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I can only imagine the kids coming to your basketball camp because they've got so much space and they're getting out of town. And like you said, they're super high compete. Um, I bet you their bonds are just amazing. And, but thinking of that, I mean, what about you and your connection or, or Dave and your team? You've got a team now, a fairly strong team. What about your connection with the kids? I mean, how does it make you guys feel knowing these kids are laughing and smiling all the time? You know what? I can't wait to get back to it. You know, recovering from COVID is crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, especially, you know, during COVID, we actually were not allowed to run. You know, in my second year of operation at the overnight camp, the government shut all camps down. We weren't allowed to run at all. Um, so we actually, we pivoted to family retreats, which was awesome. I love, you know, being able to convert and do something different. Um, and then last year, again, we chose to do the same thing because the guidelines weren't there. So I'm super jazzed that we actually get to run our business and have impact on those kids. Cause you know, the reality is kids need sport. Yes. They need to get back into nature. They need to get off their phones and off their computers and get back to doing what they love as soon as possible. So yeah. I'm really jazzed. I don't think I've ever been more excited to connect and have impact on kids. And that's hard for me because I love it. Like summertime is like my Christmas. Like I love, you know, the summertime and having impact on kids and staff. So I'm completely jazzed for that. That's exciting. Speaking of which, so I'm going to flip back a little bit to business on you and, and for people listening, because we do have a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business people that listen, as well as, you know, just general audience uh, that wants to learn. But business-wise, um, you know, in this pandemic world, COVID world that we went through those two summers, I mean, you just finished building the facility and got, you know, your first summer, which probably wasn't full of capacity, full capacity, but it was pretty good. How do you survive with the bills and the challenges for two summers or two years in something that new and that big? I mean, what did you do? What was it like? How did it feel? Uh, well, uh, you know, when I was building the overnight camp, you know, we had to build all that structure in nine months. And I thought that was literally the <laughs> hardest project of my life. I actually didn't think I was going to make it. Um, I actually thought I was going to fail um, at that. And I, yeah, it was, um, I've never been so stressed in my entire life. Um, but, you know, when I look back at COVID and I look back at that building experience, you know, I remember literally like my husband, like I, I moved up there and I was trying to manage like 80 people on site, all, all different construction crews. If you looked and saw like a week before our staff arrived at camp, there was like a whole field of like mud piled high. We still hadn't finished oh anything. And like I spent almost every night literally sitting in my truck parked on the middle of the field, crying, thinking like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And I remember this. I remember this conversation that I had you know, with my husband, I, I, I really didn't share too, too much because I was so afraid that I wasn't going to make it. I didn't want to freak them out. And I was pretty much living up at the camp and he was with our kids in Toronto. I remember calling him in the car one day and it was like a few days before staff were supposed to come. I wasn't sure we were going to make it. And I literally started bawling my eyes out and I'm mm. not a big crier, but I was like, like, I couldn't even control myself. I was like barely able to breathe. And I was like, I'm not going to make it. I can't believe we're going to fail. And I'm going to sink our whole family. Um, and I, I remember the moment where my husband was like, and Ryan's in the car. That was my <laughs> eldest son. And I'm like, you couldn't have led with that. I literally had poured my heart out. And 
you know, believe it or not. So it's funny when we did open and I did open, um, you know, it was crazy. And my husband, I remember getting that phone call from him going like, you're open? <laughs> like oh, campers wow. arrive? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> That's Dave. how crazy it was. <laughs> yeah. And um, my son came up to visit me and he was like, man, he's like, you must feel like Thanos. Like you just <laughs> conquered the world. And I was like, it kind of felt like I did, you know, but during COVID, you know, if I thought building the camp was my most difficult task, I think everything that I learned as an entrepreneur when I built my Toronto site and all the struggle with that and, you know, building the overnight camp, all of that, you know, sort of up and down, kind of like the up and down of sport, you mm. know? So I always think of it as my sport prepared me to run my business. My business prepared me to manage through COVID and wow. all those big projects. So really like your question, like, yeah, like I had taken out a $4 million loan to, to build the camp and I threw every single personal penny I had into it because I believed in it so much. And yeah, like all camps, we were contemplating, oh my God, are we going to make it? Um, mm -hmm. Do we need to declare bankruptcy? Do we need to re like, we had to refund everybody's money for both our Toronto business and up North. And, and you know? I know so, that when you do that, yeah. people may not realize, but you know, you took a hit, you took the hit, bringing the money in because it cost yeah. to transact, but you take a yeah. hit actually sending the money out. So even though, let's just say yeah. we brought a hundred bucks in for those listening, a hundred percent, well, you're actually out about 6% when it's all said and done because the in money taken off the top and the out money for doing the merchant transaction. So you're yeah. negative, technically speaking at that point in time, because you do give back a hundred bucks and you only got yeah. 96. That's a little challenging. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that's crazy. And, and parents were very fearful and it's not like we could just like give it all back right away. We had to do it in phases. So a lot of our customers actually offered to leave it in, which was very kind, but wow. I was a big believer in, we got to give it back. Like, I just don't want to be that camp that doesn't ever give it back. So, you know, my husband and I, you know, we, we made sure we gave everybody back their money. It was tough. And yeah, was it difficult? Like I had to get a loan for my loans. Like, let's be real mm, here. Like, yeah. you know, especially now, look, we're two and a half years in almost three years. And like, you know, nobody has that kind of money to, for a rainy day. Right. Like in yeah. terms of every time we open, <laughs> you don't have 4 Toronto, million bucks just sitting in the back corner. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Right. And, you know, of course we had to make deep cuts to some very beloved staff, which was like, you know, and my kids, they watch that, you know, like, you know, I, I think, being an entrepreneur's child is difficult. You know, they mm -hmm. watched us the day that we had to release so many, like, like crying, like they witnessed their parents mm -hmm. crying. And we, we had to tell them we, we brought them in. We didn't hide it. I think it was really important for them. We've also brought them in. Like, look, my kids have seen me as an entrepreneur, you know, build things and deal with the ups and downs. And I'm always referencing. So when my, my two older boys are trying to get an NCAA scholarship and they're experiencing their own up and downs, and I will often reference my trials and tribulations and how sport has helped me. So all nice. those bad things that are happening with them in sport, you know, I try and lean on our bad experiences and they actually, they'll, they like listening to the, the bad stories, right? Cause it, it motivates them. But uh, yeah, getting through COVID, we did it. And it's funny, I was on a walk last night and I remember thinking to myself like, holy crap, like when Doug Ford announced that he's starting to lift restrictions March 1st, I think I smiled for the first time in three years. Wow. Really like wow. a real smile, like a genuine happiness, like things are going to be okay. <clears throat> but I realized, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm gritty. I'm gritty. Yep. And I, I, I won't use profanity, but I'm gritty <laughs> as ass, man. Like, that's all I got to say is that for any entrepreneur in the health or restaurant business or anything else that was constantly being shut down by our government, you had to be gritty and tough as nails yes. to be able to get through it. And honestly, I look at what we've been through as a company and as a family, and we're not only going to be amazing afterwards, I think it's going to be exponential growth because watch out, man. Like we just went through a war, whether it was building, whether it was getting through COVID, but we are about to come out the other side, guns blazing and ready this. to just service service the world. So yeah, I am super jazzed. I'm like just so excited to be able to pass on the passion and help get kids and our staff back into the sport that we all love and that can help them become whatever they want to be in their life. 
I think it's fantastic. And hey, let's just put it out there. Folks, parents, if you're in a basketball or your kid's in a basketball, you should probably hit Stephanie up. Uh, check out the camp, EliteCamps.com. Um, also, I'm going to plug it, Stephanie. I know you didn't do this. Stephanie sent this to me, uh, Life is a Sport. This is her book. She sent it to me just without even hesitation. Like I, we were just talking. She's like, give me your address. I'm sending you my book. And I'm already getting nuggets out of it. I'm going to steal them and use them, but I'll quote you three times and then it's mine. Um, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, grab it on Amazon. And uh, I think you got it other places too, but I know I got mine through Amazon. Stephanie just sent it through. I didn't even have a choice. It just showed up like a couple of days later. Okay. So check it out. There's some great nuggets in there. I mean, you know, her opening and her preface, uh, you know, talks about the family, talks about the grind, talks about the good, bad, and ugly, and amazing. And uh, I really like that. And, and, you know, one of the things in here is how to talk to the coach, right? And, and I grabbed this one and the quote that's in this chapter, how to talk to coach, effective communication with a person of authority. Okay, that has nothing to do with basketball. It has nothing to do with sport, but it has everything to do with sport, but it has everything to do with life. And um, we've currently gone through a situation recently with our family and made sure that our kids step up their respect in the way they communicate. Uh, it wasn't our kids, by the way. It was somebody else that approached me in a very inappropriate way. Uh, but listen to this. This came from Winston Churchill. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. You know, these are great little nuggets that, you know, Stephanie put together and has brought together in the book. But there's so much more in-depth in the chapters. I've really enjoyed it so far, Stephanie. So this is great. Uh, you just heard me thud the desk with it. Sorry about that. Um, you know, I think your message was really powerful there. And I kind of want to wrap up on that is like, we're coming out, we're on fire, we're going to kill it, we're going to crush it. Uh, you know, kids come, parents come, check it out, elite camps. The other thing I would say that, uh, Stephanie, I know that this was not easy to, you know, keep taking these leaps of faith, you know, after losing dad, after realizing you're losing your your planned career, sorry, but I, I have another philosophy that somebody knows exactly what the plans are for you. And uh, I have a reference that I can quote that from, but uh, you know, our plans are not always our own. And this was the plan that you were supposed to do all along, whether you realize it or not. And maybe you do now, of course, but um, you know, thank you for being that entrepreneur. Thank you for being that passionate basketball coach. Thank you for being the person who is gritty AF we're keeping it PC. Um, and you know, your son says, mom, you must feel like Thanos. I'm going to take it a step further. Folks, she's got the blonde hair. She's tall. She's athletic. She's fit. I'm thinking that you're more like that wonderful new superstar. You've got um, the new captain of the Avengers and she's flying all over the universe. She's blowing it up. She's got people following her teams, <laughs> lining up to fight with her captain Marvel. So, uh, Stephanie, I really, I like that better. yeah, I really do think it's fitting and, um, I'm so excited and we have family, you know, day trips planned. We talked about it. I'm going to make sure that at some point, uh, when we're driving by, we're going to stop in the camp cause I couldn't shoot a hoop if I tried. Um, <laughs> But I'd come and say hi and hang out with you and see the kids and all the smiling faces. So I really do feel that you are an empowered entrepreneur coming from an empowered athlete from a weird beginning, not touching the basketball till you're 14. I think this is fantastic. And I really do appreciate all your time. So Stephanie, as we're closing up, I mean, I could tell people go find you on LinkedIn, but um, what are the best ways for them to get in touch with you for people to find you? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn is a big one. A lot of people just message me on LinkedIn. Um, also, I'm pretty accessible by email. If you email any of our you know, websites, they're, they're, all the email addresses are there. But uh, Steph at EliteCamps.com, that's my email. Uh, cool. But feel free to reach out. Um, and if you want, you can also come to family retreats. We still do those. Uh, that was a nice byproduct of... Uh, ah, so you're not taking those away. Home. You're keeping them. No, no, we are still doing them in the in June and in the fall. It's a great way to to hang out at camp and live the camp experience with your kids and family. That's awesome. Well, we also do corporate retreats, um, and you know, corporate uh, groups love it. I, I have a lot of entrepreneurs actually that come out um, and enjoy like company retreats, which is they, kind of they fun need to get out of the it. office and all the radiation and, yeah. and cell phone signals. Exactly. They need to go sit in the bushes somewhere. Exactly. Well, that's where also we can marry some of our team building with entrepreneurs. And I, there's not, the only thing I love more about running programs for athletes is running programs for entrepreneurs, because I really nice. do believe they are the athletes of the business world. 
I like that. And we did talk about that last time. And I said I was going to quote it and I didn't. So I'm really glad you did. Um, it is so true. I do believe that. And, you know, we should talk more in the future about slapping some of our entrepreneurs together and making something happen over at your beautiful 75 acres. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And if I can help you in any way or get some networks together or, hey, any teams listening to this, any rock star entrepreneurs that want to do something, get in touch with me uh, or get in touch with Stephanie. You can DM me right here on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also reach me on empoweredentrepreneur.ca or empoweredpodcast.ca. But, uh, you know, reach out to Stephanie, steph at elitecamps.com and visit their website. It looks cool. I actually put on my black and red today because I wanted to look like your website. <laughs> it's a That's good awesome. look. Um, so Stephanie, yeah. thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for sharing about your past, your your family, your the emotional roller coaster you've been on uh, that has turned you from basketball rock star to gritty AF entrepreneur and camp owner. Yeah. So uh, it's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you, Patrick. I love uh, love speaking to fellow entrepreneurs. Even after our first call, I was jazzed to uh, to be a part of it. Great. So I wish you all the best. Great. Well, hey, look, if, if you're an entrepreneur out there or you have a great story to tell or you know someone that does have a great story to tell, reach out to me, DM me. I'd love to have an empowered conversation with them, with any of, of your colleagues, Stephanie, or anyone listening. Love telling their stories of how we're doing great things and, and helping others. So please reach out to me, empoweredpodcast.ca. I'm Patrick McGuire, your host, saying thank you so much, Stephanie, saying thank you for Stephanie to all of our friends and fans and those listening around. Really appreciate your time because it takes a lot of your time to listen to us for a little while. This is a live stream on LinkedIn and it will be actually released as a podcast very, very shortly. So look forward to hearing you and seeing you again. And Stephanie, we're definitely going to do something in the future. Awesome. Can't wait. Thank you, Stephanie. Just hang out with me for a little bit longer, folks, and we'll have a great time. We'll send you some more details and uh, have an empowered day. Be empowered and do as Captain Marvel says, Stephanie Rudnick, get gritty AF. Hey, sports fans, players, parents, coaches. There's only one thing to be said about youth amateur sports. That is, love your sports experience. RosterLogix is a sports management, registration, and payments platform developed by coaches and parents to increase trust, transparency, communications, and compliance so you can focus on what matters most and love your sports experience. If you want a better sports experience, check out rosterlogics.com with an X. That's R-O-S-T-E-R-L-O-G-I-X.com. Rosterlogics.com for a better sports experience. NFTs are hot. What's more exciting is where NFTs are going and what else they can do. NFTs don't have to be simple little JPEGs or digital images. Utility, my friends, that is the next big thing for NFTs and crypto. Meaning... What can you do with NFTs? What will they unlock for you? And what will they give you access to? Well, NFX company, the non-fungible experience company is changing that. They are the future of NFTs by including experiences and collectibles for the NFX community. Discover the future of NFTs at nfxco.com. That's nfxco.com. Empowered. A Blue Mix podcast is hosted by Patrick McGuire and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. Empowered Podcast may be compensated by sponsors, products, or services in this show. For more empowered content, subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.